foundation this morning. We talk about shaking the foundations. I want to live at a foundation in the Word this morning because you can't fully know a thing or the power of a thing until you understand it. That's why Solomon said, in all you're getting, get understanding. Because you can't fully really harness the power of something until you know what's going on. So I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit will, through the Word this morning, will lay a foundation that will set us up for what He wants to pour out on our lives in this church. You see, church, we don't just come here to, to do things because, you know, that's what we do here. If you want to have a culture of hunger, of prayer, of worship, of excellence and of freedom, we also got to have, to have a culture of being passionate and expressive to our God. Yeah. Amen. But I don't want you to come and just do that because that's what we do here. Or you're being absorbed by your environment. I want you to know the power of what you're doing. I want you to know the power of what you do this morning, church. Because the fact is, it's not just praise to God, it's not just thanksgiving. Yeah. It's not just the culture that we create. It's not just for show, it's warfare. Yeah. That's right. There is warfare in the culture that we create. Yeah. Because when we behave according to a different standard, to a heavenly standard, yeah. we are at war with the standards of this world. Yeah. Amen? Amen? There is victory in the standard we take to live by a different culture and by a different standard. So I just want to lay a bit of foundation this morning. And I want to start by reading in the Word of God this morning. And if you can see your Bibles this morning, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. And that's where we'll start this morning. This is one of the scriptures that I want to focus on. Unfortunately, we don't have any screens for you this morning, but, but I'll read it for you. Have you got it? Let me read it for you. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of this world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in His presence. Amen? You see, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God has chosen what is foolishness on earth is heaven's wisdom. And what is heaven's wisdom is earth's foolishness. We'll come back to that scripture shortly. The second scripture I want to just refer to this morning is in Mark chapter 2, where Jesus said that you can't take new wine and put it in old wineskins. Yeah. You can't put new wine in old skins. I don't want to just stop right there for a moment, because this was one of Jesus' first teachings that he ever gave. One of the first teachings he ever gave when he started his ministry was the parable about the wineskins. And Jesus said that you can't take the things from heaven and put it in the old stuff in the earth. Everything heavenly is fresh. Everything heavenly is new. There is nothing about God that ever grows old or grows stale. God is about a new covenant. God is about a better covenant. God is about a fresh world. Everything about God is fresh and everything about God is new because God doesn't grow stale. God doesn't deteriorate. 
God doesn't grow old and God doesn't die. Yeah. Everything about God is life. So we've got to understand that we can't take a God who is life and put him in a package that is that has deteriorated and is out of season. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I'm going somewhere with this this morning. Come with me. And Jesus is saying, you can't take what I'm about to bring to the earth and measure it through the filter of what you've been doing up to this point. You see, in this passage, Jesus was talking about the, the teachers of the law that were wanting to take Jesus, the Messiah, and package him through their filter yeah. of their law. But Jesus said, I fulfilled the law. The law is over, and I'm about to do a new thing. Who wants something new this morning, church? Yeah. Come on, shout in if you want God to do something yeah. new now. You know, the truth is, I think everyone, every one of us wants God to do something new in this church in our lives. But heaven is waiting on us. The Bible says that something has to happen on earth. We have to respond. Yeah. The Bible says that if you bind it on earth, it will be bound in heaven. And if you loose it on earth, it will be loosed in heaven. Earth acts and heaven responds. And if any two of you agree on earth, so shall it be done by my Father which is in, in heaven. It first happens on earth and then heaven responds. And why is that important this morning? Because if there is something that God wants to do and God wants to pour out in this season, there is something that we have to build to hold it. There is something that we're going to have to prepare to hold it. If there's something fresh that God wants to pour out on the worship of this church, someone's going to have to write a new song. Amen. Worship team, ready to write a new song? God, someone's going to have to give God a different song. Someone's going to have to give God a different praise or a different worship. If there's a fresh anointing that He wants to pour out from this pulpit of this church, there's probably some kind of consecration where He's going to call Pastor Renata myself to do something different to the way that it was done before. In other words, there has to be preparation on earth. Yeah. We have to build something that will hold what God wants to do now and to pour out from heaven. Judge, who's prepared to build something new for God? Yes. Yeah. Amen. You want God to do something new in your marriage? You've got to build something new. You can't have a restored marriage and put it in old habits and old behaviors. Yeah. You can't have overflowing finances and put it in old spending habits. You can't have a new business plan and put it in an old structure. You can't have a new vision and use old systems to carry out that vision. God says you can't put new wine in old wineskins. You see, there is something that we're going to have to get rid of, and there's something new that we're going to have to build. Tell the person next to you, he's talking about you. He's talking about you. <laughs> This is good news, right? The gospel is good news. I just want to give you an illustration this morning. We would have done it for you on the screens, but I'll, I'll try to do it for you this morning. The difference between the wine and the wineskins. The difference between the wine and the wineskins. So for instance, worship would be the wine, and the skin would be the song. Preaching would be the wine, and the skin would be the method of preaching. Discipleship would be the wine, and the skin would be other connect groups or some sort of sort of outreach program or simply bringing your world to the church and you see I think we need to change the way that we think because truthfully 
God cares about the wine and how effectively we can store that wine. Because the wine is eternal, but the skin is subject to change. Worship, preaching, discipleship, all the other ministries in the church, that's that's eternal. That's gonna that's gonna remain. But the method, the methodology must change. So that we can effectively steward what God is doing now. Not what he used to do, what he's doing now, because he's doing a new thing. It's about building something that will hold what God wants to do in this season. And church, we don't want to look back in our lives. 20 to 30 years from now and see how God passed our generations because we were unable to effectively steward what God is doing now. You know, a very good friend of mine and, and leader of, of one of the leaders of our church was saying this exact thing to me probably two weeks back. He said his biggest fear, his biggest fear is that we would mess up the responsibility that we have been given by God in this time miss what he's doing now and the Lord passes us by and gives it to our next generation because we were unable to effectively steward and build something and prepare something where God has the freedom to fulfill the mandate of the church and that's a terrifying thought for me and it should be for all of us because we can either be like the Israelites wandering around the wilderness for an entire generation and miss out on the promised land or we could be like the two out of the ten spies that come back with a positive report. That's right. We could perceive what God was doing in that season, yeah. which ultimately led them into their destiny. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You see, we've got to be willing to change. We've got to be willing to, to build a new wine skin. And we've got to put the new wine skin out there to hold the new wine. Because the Bible says if you bring the new wine into the old skin, it will burst that skin and both will be ruined. You see, church, God, just to give an example, God isn't concerned if I preach the same sermon to you that I preached two weeks ago. What He's concerned about is that I, I preach the truth and preach it in the most effective way that I can so that His truth can penetrate your heart. He says if you're worshipping, He doesn't mind what song you sing. He just wants you to believe in what you're singing and what you're saying. And in fact, our worship team had a policy. Kirk was telling me that if a song that they're singing doesn't minister to them while they're singing it, even if it's a really catchy tune and it's got a great beat, they won't sing it again. Why? Because they're building something. You get what I'm saying this morning? It's about building something. It's about building something in preparation for for what God's going to do. It's about building something that will hold something supernatural. In our church, there's a powerful lesson in the story about Zacchaeus. Jesus goes into a town, but he only goes home with one person. Why? Because Zacchaeus was short in stature. So he climbed the tree because he heard that Jesus was coming. So he was prepared when Jesus came. And who did Jesus go home with? The one that was prepared. And when God is willing to pull something out, new out in the season, what do we have to do? Okay. We have to be like Zacchaeus. We've got to run out there, climb that tree. Because we want to, we want to receive what God's got for us, right? Yeah. And we've got to be willing to do what others aren't willing to do. We've got to build something. We've got to prepare something. 
So that when we begin to sense in our spirit that there is something new that God is wanting to do, it means that we've got to go to work. Yeah. There's work to be done. And it's like Noah, he said, I've got to build an ark before there's any sign of rain. I've got to be ready, I've got to be prepared, even when I don't see God doing anything, because when God shows up, it's too late. It's too late, the flood has already come, the wine has already spilled. We've got to prepare now, we've got to, we've got to build now, in preparation. Because we know that God is about to pour something out. We can, we can set it in our spirit. You see, we're in a, in a critical age in the church. Not just the frontline church, but around the world. And God is wanting to pour out His Spirit on His sons and His daughters like never before. Yeah, that's right. But we have to be prepared for that. We've got to get ready. And church, you know when we build and we, we prepare something that will hold what God wants to do? Then it's like a fire. It's like a fire that spreads. It's like a fire that spreads from this person to that person. And from that person to this person. And from this person to a community. And from this community to a city. And from this city to a nation. And from a nation throughout the world. There is no limit to what God can do if we prepare ourselves correctly. You know church, we need to build. We need to build so that not, not only a fraction of our community are in church on a Sunday. We need to build so that the majority of this community yeah. come to church on a Sunday. Yeah. Amen. We must build so that our community becomes free from any form of addiction. We must build so that the darkness flees from the lives of our families and that our families find true unity and restoration. Fathers come back to families. Yeah. And that in itself will have such a major impact on our community. We must build so that mothers have a place of safety if they have a need to dump their babies. We must build so that the fatherless find the love of Abba. Yeah. That the homeless find rest. Yeah. And that the broken hearted find restoration. Yeah. We must build so that we finally get to a place where Sunday services come. We step aside. God steps in. The presence of God comes in. It touches people's lives and in an instant their lives are turned around and they change. It's about building something. And when we build according to God's standards, it might look like foolishness to everyone around you. But that's okay. And that brings me back to, to the original scripture this morning on 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. For the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of men, and the weakness of God is mightier than men. Is stronger than men. God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Now, when God created the earth, in God's original design, earth was meant to operate like heaven. Adam was in charge of making sure that our earth operated by heaven's standard. In other words, what was normal in heaven was under Adam's responsibility to become normal in the earth. But when Adam sinned, he's lost his ability to govern the earth. And Romans chapter 8 says that the earth was subjected to futility and Satan became the god of this world. He took over the systems of this world. The earth was subjected to futility because Adam lost his ability to govern. And when Jesus came to bring the kingdom of heaven back to the earth, he didn't just come to save you. 
He came to bring the systems that govern heaven and once again allow them to be the systems that govern the earth. So that it would be, be done on earth as it is in heaven. And since the systems of earth are running to defile the systems of God, then what we see God bringing in this new season is not going to look normal to us. Because the enemy has been in control for so long. So when the kingdom is preached, the kingdom seems like it's upside down from the way the earth operates. And let's face it, church, if you want to be great in this world, if you want to be great on this earth, you've got to position yourself for success. You have to step on people to get ahead. You've got to lie, you've got to cheat, you've got to be dishonest. You've got to operate by greed and by crime, and you're going to basically kill anyone that gets in your way. That's the systems of this world. That's what you have to do to be great in this world. But then Jesus comes along and says, you want to be great? You want to be great? Humble yourself. Because he that is the greatest in the earth will become the servant of all. So in other words, what we've been taught how to perceive greatness is wrong. You know, if you get into the corporate world, which, which many of you are, and you operate out of a, a, a spirit of servitude and humility, you may even look ridiculous to that world. Why? Because they've been taught that every man for himself, or an eye for an eye, or your work priorities come way before your family priorities. So you come into that world operating from a different kingdom, but that may look like foolishness to your corporate world. It's like the doctor telling you that you have an illness that could threaten your life. And you say, thank you, doctor. Thank you for that report. But by my faith in my Jesus, I'm healed. I mean, that looks like lunacy in the eyes of this world. But you see, God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. I mean, how could you believe? Amen. How could you believe in the, the, an unseen God over the opinions of doctors that can physically work on your body? That's crazy to this world. And they're going to think that you've lost it when you say that I have faith in my Jesus to overcome our situation. Or that my pastor prayed for me, he anointed me with oil, and my body was healed. They're going to say that you've lost it, right? But we know where our faith comes from. We know that our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 says this. It says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. So he was preparing for what he was going to see. He hadn't seen it yet. And the problem is most of us need to see something before we move. But what Noah did, he moved his household and was saved because God didn't have to show him the flood to get him to build an ark. All God had to do was to speak to him and he built the the ark in preparation for what God was going to do. You can't put new wine in old wineskins. We need to build something new in preparation for what God's going to do. It was the same with Noah. There had to be a sound of rain before a cloud could develop. And it took Noah 100 years to build an ark without any sign of the flood coming. 
but he could perceive what God was, was about to do. But when everyone saw him building the ark, and that, that time that he was building the ark, people ridiculed him. People said that he was foolish. But you know what happened when, when it began to rain? Those same people wanted to get in the thing that he built. Come on. Church, God may have told you to start building something. He may have started speaking to you to start building something. And people may look at you and think that you're crazy now. But let me tell you something. When God begins to let it rain, those same people are going to want to jump in the blessing that you built. Amen. It's wisdom is foolish to those around us. In Mark chapter 10, if you want to go there, Mark chapter 10 from, from verse 46, we see the story of, of blind Bartimaeus. And this was someone that was willing to be foolish to get his healing, to get his miracle. Let me read it for you. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his, with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Isn't Jesus amazing? You see, Jesus told him that you've already conceived the faith to get your healing. You acted on what you heard. You made a sound of what you heard. Jesus came to Jericho and only on the way out, a miracle happened. Now, Jericho was a huge metropolitan area. Jesus came in it, he went through it, and only on his way out, one man started making a fool of himself. And all the other people did what was right and what was noble in the sight of others, but they didn't get their healing. And what a shame that Jesus was able to walk through an entire metropolitan area, leave it, and no one got anything, nothing happened, and then one man started shouting out the name of Jesus. And the more that they tried to keep him quiet, the louder he became. The more radical he became to receive his miracle. Yeah. He wasn't going to take no for an answer. Church, have you ever noticed in the Bible, most of the people that got their miracle, are the people that were willing to step outside of the box and do something foolish? Yeah. Why is that? I mean, I get it that we, we need to try and keep our composure or we don't want to look weird in front of other people. But it was always the people that were willing to step outside the lines that got something special. I mean, it was blind hearts and that wouldn't shut up screaming that God is miracle. 
It was Elijah who laid over the child face to face, palm to palm, breathed on the child and brought that child back to life. It was the widow that was willing to give away her food, her last bites of food to get many years supply of food. It was the woman who presses through the crowd and grabs hold of the edge of the tassel of Jesus' garment who gets her healing. It wasn't the people that were kosher and that were nice that got their healing. It was the people that said, I'm not going to let you make me keep quiet. Yeah. I'm not going to let you make me miss my miracle. Yeah. This is my one time. Jesus is coming and I have faith to shout out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And we have to have the same faith, church. Perhaps in foolishness to say, Jesus, I'm not going to let you pass me by today. I'm not going to let you pass me by in this season. I'll do whatever I need to do so that I don't miss out on my opportunity. Bartimaeus cast off his outer garment, which meant he only had on his underwear. He's basically vulnerable and naked in front of everyone else and in front of Jesus. In other words, he cast off the outer garment that men could see. So he cast off his outer garment, he cast off everything men could see, and he became whatever he needed to become in that moment to get his miracle. He cast off what, what the garment represented. He cast off the opinions of others. He cast off everything, and he, he came to Jesus. He said, I'm vulnerable, I'm naked, and I'll be whatever I need to be, and do whatever I need to do in this moment to receive my miracle. But I will not be silenced. He said, I won't be silenced. And you know what, church? Jesus responded to that sign. It was a different sign, but he responded to that sign. He'd come through a huge metropolitan area with many sounds and many voices, but he only responded to one. Bless his name. Bless the name of Jesus. Can you feel the power of what I'm preaching this morning, church? God inhabits the praise of his people. Those who are willing to shout out or cry out his name. And you see here again, what is foolishness in the earth is heaven's wisdom. I mean, the people thought that blind Bartimaeus was a fool, but Jesus didn't seem that way. Do you know what the angels are doing in heaven 24 hours a day? They're worshipping and praising God. Why? Because God's worthiness never changes. God doesn't get 24-hour worship in the earth. Okay, granted, we do have lies. We understand that. Most times we worship when we come to church on a Sunday or when we feel like it. But you see, God wants to take the foolish things of this world to turn it around to confound the wise. And God isn't saying that you need to stop what you're doing or, or quit your job or, or quit studying to worship Him 24-7. What He's saying is, let your life be a song. Let your life be a song. He wants you to build something that will, that will store and will hold heaven's wisdom. He wants you to build a life that will be a song unto Him. And that may be in the form of sacrifice or holiness. It may be in the form of patience, long-suffering or kindness. Something that's, that will hold what He wants to pour out. It may be in the form of extravagant worship or delving yourself into the Word of God. It may be in the way that you give up your finances or you give up your time. Or the hours that you put into prayer. It's about building something. 
And church, the more that we build, the more that we can store. And the more that we can store, the more He can He can fill us. And the more that He can fill us, the more lives we will impact by His power. It's about building something that will hold something supernatural. I'm going to close with this, this, these few words this morning. It's about building something, church. And it may look like foolishness to everyone around you. But let God lead you to start building something in preparation for what He wants to do. Because when the flood comes, when the flood comes and it's going to come, those people are going to want to jump in the blessing that you built. Amen. Amen and amen. So this is going to be a great Word this morning. Isn't God's word amazing? Are you ready to build something new for God this morning? Amen.